0: (laughs) (laughs) Judges of the United States, Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. All persons having business before this, a stated term in the United States, Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit, draw near, give your attention, and you shall be heard. Good morning everyone, please be seated. So, before we start, I understand that there are some students from the NYCI school. Is that right? Raise your hands, uh, those of you. Well, welcome to the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, This is a public forum, and I hope you all learned something uh, today, uh, this morning's um, oral argument. Uh, I understand that all counsel for today's argument cases, uh, as well as Mr. Envoye, are here. uh, so we'll dispense with the calling of the calendar, uh, we'll therefore start right away, uh, with the first matter on today's calendar, Richford Health Center, uh, versus the United States of America, 23344.
1: Good morning, Your Honor. May it please the court. Matthew Friedis, along with Rosie Dawn Griffin for Appellance, uh, Richford Health Center, also known as Northern Tier Community Health, which I'll refer to as Notch, and Dr. Teague uh, Marco. Your Honors, this case is quite a bit more simple than was made by the district court below. It's about an absolute immunity that the Public Health Service Act affords to public health service employees and was extended to what's known as deemed public health service employees, which is what Notch is and its employees and personnel are. They have the same absolute immunity that actual public health service employees have. That's a command in the statute that extended the immunity to.
0: Do you mean to say that because somebody works partly for the government, they have immunity in anything they do even if what they did had nothing to do with their government employment?
1: No, Your Honor. Uh, The test for the immunity that they have is quite straightforward, and it it is broad with respect to the functions that it speaks to, but it speaks to specific functions. So it's not everything. It's not while you're driving to, to- But
0: why was anything that this doctor did anything to do with his government employment?
1: Well, he wasn't actually a government employee. He was in mean, the
0: employee of Notch, which was, yeah. Correct,
1: correct, Your Honor. And that's because Notch puts in a grant application to the United States government and identifies the activities that it intends to perform as it's deemed federal employment. And the, the phrase that's used in describing a health center's employment is scope of project because it's an entity, it's not a person. So it has a project that it fulfills with its grant dollars and other monies. And then of course, because it's an entity, it can't perform medical services. It has to do that through its employees. One of those employees is Dr. Marco. And when, it, when, the, when Notch asked for permission to get that grant that made it eligible to be a federal employee or deemed a federal employee, It specifically told the government we would like to put one of our physicians into area nursing homes and rehabilitation facilities to perform the role of medical director and attending physician. So in that role, basically it's Notch, the entity is performing that role, but they do it through their employee, Dr. Marco. So they asked the government through an application known as a grant application, can we do this? Can we put Dr. Marco or a person...
0: But that's reading an awful lot into this grant application, isn't
1: it? I don't think so, Your Honor. That's the nature of these grant applications. They spell out the activities, the medical and related functions, which if I could get back to the the test that I was alluding to, the test for immunity involves whether the function performed, it's really conduct-driven, whether the function performed was medical, surgical, dental, or related. And then so that function has to be performed within the scope of employment of the entity or the individual.
0: But the, she, regulation, the regulation also um, says that the services have got to fit squarely in the uh, sort of set of examples that are set out.
1: It does say that, Your Honor. Um, the regulation, and that, and that however, seems is. To be a problem. It's, it would be a problem if the regulation had binding effect. The agency which authored the regulation, there's a, I can give a site when I come back for a rebuttal, there's a site where the agency itself says that regulation does not impose um, binding requirements, it's interpretive, and that's why we can apply it retrospectively. So it's basically illustrative and advisory, and it says here are things that we, we think you will do and you may do, But what this court said in in the Agent v. Rasmuson decision is that you can't, the agency or the federal government cannot take a regulation, this particular regulation, I believe the one you're referring to, Your Honor, Mm -hmm. or a a manual or a policy or anything and narrow a statutory element to an immunity test. And that's what what the government did in Agent. And this court struck that down saying, no, you cannot take your regulation or your policy and narrow a statutory element of an immunity test and that's essentially what they did. And that's what they're doing here again and they, they, they got the district court to, to um, buy off on this is they took um, they took the regulation and they used it to narrow down the circumstances that would otherwise easily satisfy the test that I alluded to and I would, I would stress too that the government when it first came into this case
0: The basic background in tort law is that somebody can be a borrowed servant, somebody can be somebody who is not doing that even though they do things they are yours but are doing something else. And if that is the background, shouldn't these regulations, agency, and so on be read in what is the normal way of doing things? You're asking us to read it in a particular way, which would be very, very odd in terms of what we do as a general background.
1: I respectfully disagree, Your Honor. The, um, essentially, the government and every other litigant in this case recognizes that Dr. Marco could see the majority of patients in these nursing homes and that that would be covered. The district court below and the government below recognized that everything in this case could be covered if and this is their position not ours if the if the applicant had asked for permission to see people that didn't have a pre-existing relationship with Notch which is only a sliver of the patients at the nursing homes vast majority would have a pre-existing relationship a sliver would not the government concedes, but
0: that again is in perfect keeping with the background. That is, if somebody is in a position to make to borrow a servant, then that servant is borrowed, and that's what that the what you say are the bulk of the patients. I don't know if they're not are or not, but. That again is perfectly traditional but when somebody is not borrowed for that purpose traditionally that's not
1: I may not be following the train of thought your honor but I want to refer you to what I think speaks to that question I hope it hopefully it does and this is this is from a declaration from the Department of Health and Human Services which administers this program the health center program and the deeming program the program that confers immunity this is The representative of the secretary saying, Notch's grant application contemplated the placement of a Notch-employed physician to provide medical care and or services to non-federally funded skilled nursing homes in Notch's target communities. That is the... That's an attorney for the Department of Health and Human Services that wrote a declaration in this case eight or so months into the litigation while the government still advanced the position that I'm advancing here today in this very case. That is the Department of Health and Human Services saying your project, in other words, your employment health center, contemplates exactly what I just said. That means sending. I don't know if that makes it a borrowed servant or not. I'm sorry, Your Honor, That's, uh, my tort law is a little rusty. So, but I would say what it contemplates is exactly what that servant is supposed to do on behalf of the health center. And they were supposed to go in there and do this. The government would have no problem if Mr. Kelly had one prior interaction with a notch physician or anyone. One prior. He had a tooth removed. He came in and had a, you know, something carved off his skin. He had any kind of procedure, fine, that's covered. Just because he didn't have a pre-existing connection, the government says not covered. And I would just say that defies common sense in terms of what establishes a patient relationship. The other point I'd like to make, um, I, think, I think I'm over. If I, you, so, can make,
0: you can make your point and then we'll hear from yes, the other
1: side. I just wanted to say that, that uh, when the government puts a physician into a location and that physician exercises independent judgment and controls the services at that place, not the rest of it, not what the nurses do, not what the administrators do, just that medical function. That's what Mr. M- Dr. Marco did. Then that function is controlled by the health center. That's the basis on which the patient relationship is formed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: We'll hear from the government. You can lower that podium.
2: Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Podium. We're very time Quite a bit dance. shorter. <laughs> we May it please the court. I'm Dana Karasvong for the United States. This activity is not covered, and you can see that right in the statute. The statute distinguishes between care for patients and care for non-patients. And in the non-patient provision, it's 230. So, so it's
0: patient-focused? Absolutely. Not, not doctor-focused.
2: It's patient-focused, Your Honor. Yes. Um, so the statute says, and this is, a, this is a predicate to everything that we were just talking about, right? This, it, to, to get to the coverage, it's, the statute says the deeming does not apply um, unless the Secretary determines in advance, after reviewing an application, that the treatment of nonpatients patients is going to satisfy the statutory criteria. The application here didn't do that, right? The statute, this is in D, has some requirements for what you have to tell the secretary. You have to provide detailed information, supporting documents about how it's going to satisfy the uh, non-patient provision. They didn't do that. They don't say anything in the grant application about treating non-patients at all. They talk about continuity of care, to continue caring for our patients once they've been admitted to a nursing facility. You can see that all on JAS 279. So this is all about, um, this this is a, a threshold requirement for coverage to apply, and it just wasn't satisfied here. So the Secretary has said, right, there are two ways you can satisfy that requirement. One is by fitting within the examples in the regulation, and the other is by asking in advance. They didn't do either of those things. The district courts, decision that this isn't within the scope of the regulation is, you know, supported by the evidence at, at hearing and I don't see anybody challenging that in terms of I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions, um, but if there aren't any I'll, I'll reserve the remainder of my time.
1: Okay, okay. thank
2: Are,
1: you very much. Sorry, I'll ask the court to uh Yes, we, got, we got answered let me start with the the provision that i think the government council was referring to in that section 233 g that provision was added in 1995. in 1992 when the immunity was first extended to deemed individuals and entities the language they're relying on to restrict it didn't exist so their position couldn't hold up from 92 to 95. in 95 the statute was amended to add this provision And it did it, and the history shows this, but the wording of it shows it as well. It did it for a procedural reason. And ironically, uh, it was done for the benefit of the health centers, not to narrow or restrict their immunity. The case that I would direct the court's attention to, that I think does the best job so far in dealing with this provision, is uh, um, Friedenberg versus Lane. It's G, what
0: what, what subsection? uh, 233
1: G1D. That's, well, that's the deeming provision. And then the provision that they're looking at is 233 G1B, and that should have two subsections that refer to patients and non-patients. That procedural provision was added because physicians like Dr. Marco, when they went out into the community, outside the four walls of the health center's clinics, were not sure they're gonna get covered. Like, wait a second, are we gonna get this immunity when we're not at the health center doing other activities? So this provision was a way for the health center to give its, its physicians assurance that they'd be protected so that they would come and work for health centers and but make... Do
0: you agree that the reference point, so I appreciate what you're saying, yeah. the reference point is the patient.
1: No, Your Honor. The reference point in 233A, the immunity provision, doesn't say one word about the patient. It talks about conduct. And so I would say that the, the immunity Statute is conduct driven that's what the Friedenberg versus Lane County case will explain too. 233G is a procedural application provision. If you were to take 233G and do what the government is suggesting here, it would narrow the immunity in 233A to just providers activities. But we know it's not because the immunity extends to officers, directors, employees, non-providers for related functions. So if you, and the Lane County case was an example of where it's not care to just patients where the protection is afforded. Lane County involved non-patient claimants who had never stepped foot into the health center, bringing claims against the health center for which there was immunity. So I I think I'm over again, and I I don't want to indulge anymore, thank you. Uh, We'd ask the reverse. Thank you,
0: (laughs) I think think we got that, thank you very much will reserve decision.